Have you ever wanted to play the perfect tabletop game where story beats run smoothly and there's no awkward pauses between dice rolls? Yeah, me too. But since that's impossible, I did the next best thing and novelized my Witcher tabletop game to showcase the story in its cleanest form. The result is this podcast. I'm Jacob Gerstel, and this is Tales from the Witcher. Part audiobook, part actual play, part serialized adventure, and a whole new way to vicariously enjoy tabletop games. Welcome to the world of The Witcher, where monsters roam freely and the continent is once again at war. If you were hoping to follow the plight of Gale to Rivia, however, I'm not going to be doing that. Instead, I offer you the story of a not-so-merry band of degenerates who are making their way across the continent. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Honest End 3. We reached the city of Aldersburg just in time, Colonel Drone said to Carmignola as they walked past rows and rows of tents and campfires. We were able to warn the commander in the city of Radisson of Braithwaite's upcoming attack. It was a difficult battle, but we had the advantage and pushed the Adernians back. Got a nice promotion out of it, too, Colonel Loretta added. And a transfer from Edern to Tamaria, where the fighting had just begun, Colonel Mark said. And here we are. And here you are. Carmignola could still hardly believe he had come across the three Nilfgaardians. He did not expect to see Mark, Loretta, and Drone again after he helped them escape Lonkoff. Back then, Carmignola just thought he was helping out wounded soldiers caught on the wrong side of the line. Back then, he didn't fathom that loosing three Nilfgaardians would sway the outcome of an upcoming battle between the Black Cloaks in the north. The thought that he was responsible for the deaths of countless northerners upset Carmignola's stomach but he quieted the sharp pain by saying there was no way he could have known that. The thought didn't help at first, so he repeated it over and over. But why are you here, doctor? Drone asked. Would that I knew, Carmignola thought to say, though he was grateful for the distraction. Otto meowed in his jacket, and he scratched the cat's chin. Because, well, my companions and I wanted to reach the Pontar Valley. Lorweta raised an eyebrow. Want to see the front line of the war firsthand? Well, er, not exactly. We were paid to look into something called the Gutter Rebellion. Evidently, they're looking to form an independent kingdom in the Pontar. And they're based in a lander, Mark said. Carmignola bit his lower lip. Not that we know of. It's... it's complicated. Best not to strain yourself, then, Drone said with a grin. He slapped Carmignola on the back and said, It really is good to see you, Doctor. Just wanted to let you know we kept our end of the bargain. Carmignola blinked. What bargain? You asked us to put a good word in for you to whoever we met, after you freed us from Lonkoff, Lorweta said, combing her fingers through her dark hair. And you'll be happy to hear we've been singing your praises everywhere we went. Ah, right. That. Carmignola did ask that of them, he recalled. That seems so long ago now, and so insignificant. Had he really cared that much about his reputation, that he made it a condition for helping people in need? Why act so surprised, he thought. Such things always mattered to you. You always felt like you never got what you deserved. Always thought you knew better than everyone else, and should be the one running things. 
Why else would you put your life on the line to pose as a nobleman? He had done that as well, he recalled. The papers of nobility he forged, naming him Carmeniola Magvild of Gorsvelin, were in his bag at this very moment. He thought it was to help him gain a foothold in higher society, so he could help engineer the nobility's destruction from the inside, thus creating fertile ground for him to rise on his own merits. But now he feared the reasoning was far simpler than that. He simply wanted recognition from people he thought mattered. But the nobility, Carmeniola had come to realize, didn't matter at all nor did his reputation. None of it really mattered. What mattered were the refugees in Tarnow, and anyone else who was sick or injured and needed help. That's what Drone, Loretta, and Mark were back in Lonkoff, after all. People who were injured and needed help. The three colonels stopped Carmignola in front of a long, white tent. Drone sighed and said, It really is a good thing you're here, doctor. A couple dozen soldiers have fallen ill, and no one knows what the sickness is, Marshal Varmahoen fears it may spread. Carmignola felt his stomach sink some. This was starting to sound familiar. What are the symptoms? Excessive vomiting and diarrhea. Often bloody, Mark said. Are their lymph nodes swollen? They're what? Loretta said. Carmignola tapped two fingers on his neck, beneath his jawline. Oh, yeah, that swells up too. People are calling it the bloody run, Drone added. How are your barber surgeons faring with it? Fair enough, Drone said, but we could always use more help. Are you willing? Carmignola did not hesitate. Of course. Drone pulled a handkerchief from his pocket. Then you may want to cover your mouth. It's not a pretty sight. Carmignola covered his mouth and nose with his scarf and lifted Otto out of his jacket. He handed the cap to Mark. Please watch Otto for me. The big Nilfgaardian grabbed Otto unsure how to hold him. Um, sure. This is what really matters, Carmignola told himself. The doctor took a deep breath and stepped into the infirmary. 4. Ethramel left Marshal Havert Varmerhoen's tent the next day, satisfied with his plan. The solution was devilishly simple, once they had stumbled upon it. Once upon a time, Ethramel had helped lift the sieges of Spala and Scala by sneaking into the fortresses through the sewers. So I fixed what wasn't broken. As it turned out, Nilfgaardian military intelligence had done its due diligence in the years leading up to the war, and provided Hover a copy of a lander's architectural design. It did not take long for them to find a sewer pipe near the main gate, feeding refuse into the moat surrounding the city. The moat's water's placid, Hover had told the sorcerer, but runs high. I have a rotation of men filling it in with dirt every night while crossbowmen fire at us. Just get us the cover we need to reach the pipe. I'll take care of the rest. Of course. Havert smiled. But be sure to take a bath next time you see me. The moat smells, how you say, like shit. The things I do for friends. We'll wait until nightfall. I'll have everything ready. Ethramel summoned Zevo, Jeremiah, and Carmignola to his tent, and told them of his plan. The witcher just grunted, of course and Jeremiah said it was likely their best option. It was Carmignola's response that surprised Ethramel. No, the doctor said. The sorcerer blinked. No what? You have a better plan? I don't have a plan, because I have no interest in entering a lander. There's plenty for me to do right here. With the black cloaks? Jeremiah said. Yes, with the black cloaks, Carmignola snapped. He sighed and rubbed his eyes. He looked tired. 
I spent all night in the camp infirmary. They're dying of some new sickness, the same sickness affecting Agatha and Tarnow. I won't be pulled away from my duty again. I'm going to remain here and do what I can to help the sick. Is this some new game he's playing? Ethermel wondered. Trying to curry favor with the Black Cloak so we can get some land once Tamari is conquered? The sorcerer decided such questions weren't worth pursuing. He had more pressing things on his mind than caring about what the doctor wanted. So he said, But what shall we do if we come down with an infection from all the sewer shit? Carmoniola narrowed his eyes at the sorcerer. I suppose you'll have to figure it out yourself. Unlike when I patched your leg up outside of Loncoff. Carmoniola looked to Zevo. Or when I stitched your face up on the Ismena River. He looked to Jeremiah. Or when I treated your wound when I helped you back in Crag Ross. You'll have to make do without me, because I won't always be there to patch up your mistakes. Ethermel was surprised at Carmoniola's outburst, but it made sense once he thought about it. The doctor's mood had changed since his encounter with Beatrix at Bedzin upon Ismena, and he could barely hide his contempt for Ethermel, Zevo, and Jeremiah when they unceremoniously fled Tarnow. The doctor, Ethermel realized, had been on his way out for some time now. Sneaking into a lander was simply the boiling point. The Witcher, who seemed to understand this better than Ethramel, rubbed a discarded face and said in a tone that somehow mixed both pity and envy, Then you'd best get back to your patients, Doctor. It sounds like they need you more than we do. Carmoniola nodded. I wish you luck in a lander. And I wish you luck in the camp, Ethramel said. Perhaps we'll meet again after this siege has been lifted. The Doctor's response sounded doubtful indeed. Perhaps we will. Ethermel watched Carmoniola leave. He shook his head, trying to rid himself of both distracting and troubling thoughts. He had too much to worry about. He may very well find himself trapped inside a sieged city soon, with no help from his old friend Havert. I suppose I could always teleport back to my tower if it came to it, he thought. But what if Colden's still waiting for me? He's stubborn enough. Ethermel decided he would assess that risk if it came to it. He spent the rest of the morning and afternoon lounging. He did not touch a drop of alcohol. He wanted to be clear-headed for tonight. There would be plenty of time to drink in the city, if he felt it was warranted. The three of them met by Havart's tent when the sun set, as they agreed. Havart kept his word as well, and a Nilfgaardian phalanx waited nearby. Eight rows of eight armored Nilfgaardians, each with a square shield that provided cover to the soldier on their left. It created an ideal, moving shield wall. And the best cover we can hope for, Ethramel said to himself. He made sure his family sword was strapped to his belt, and his staff was strapped to his back, before taking his place behind the phalanx, with a half-dozen Nilfgaardian crossbowmen, and the half-dozen laborers holding wheelbarrows full of dirt. One of the Nilfgaardian workers looked at the three and gave a weak smile. Looks like we got the shit duty tonight, eh? Looks like it, Jeremiah said. Once it was good and dark, the officer leading the phalanx marched them through the camp. Not surprisingly, the tents ended well before the city walls, creating a swath of no-man's land between them and the moat, and with crossbowmen manning every inch of a lander's wall. Well, that's what this phalanx is for, Ethramel thought, and I just have to be faster than the slowest person. The phalanx marched slowly, shields up in the first row, and shields held overhead for the other seven. Ethramel, Zevo... Jeremiah, the crossbowmen, and the dirt haulers crouched behind the last row of shields, trying to keep pace with the marching soldiers. 
Ethermel couldn't see anything beyond the soldiers' asses in front of him, but it seemed like they marched a long time before stopping. The crossbowmen pushed ahead, crouched, the dirt haulers just behind them, poised to run. Ethermel followed their lead. The Nilfgaardian officer shouted something, and the men in each row began to spread apart, creating eight narrow corridors to run through, out of cover. Ethermel heard the telltale twang of a crossbow firing from above. The rest happened very quickly. The Nilfgaardian crossbowmen darted down these corridors, the laborers hot on their heels. Ethramel, Zevo, and Jeremiah followed. Shouts from the walls above, and crossbow bolts rained down. Most bounced harmlessly off the shields, but some landed in the cracks. A bolt planted itself by Ethramel's foot, and he nearly stumbled into the soldier next to him. Fortunately, he kept his dignity and continued running. When the crossbowmen reached the front of the phalanx, the soldiers moved their shields aside. The Nilfgaardians jumped out and fired their crossbows at the Temerian soldiers manning the wall. This provided enough cover for the laborers to sprint across no man's land. They dumped the dirt from the wheelbarrows into the moat before running back to the safety of the phalanx. Ethramel, Jeremiah, and Zevo did not have that luxury. Jeremiah broke ahead and slid down the dirt incline into the moat. He fell in without a splash. Ethramel nearly made it, but tripped over his own feet at the last moment, landing hard on his arms. Zevo stopped to haul the sorcerer up. Ethramel watched a crossbowman fire at them. Then instinct took over. Summoning up his power, he created a strong gust of wind that swept the crossbow bolt away, just before it hit his chest. The witcher grunted his approval and pulled Ethramel along. He pushed the elf into the moat without a second thought. Ethramel had time to gasp before he hit the murky green water. Then his vision and hearing became hazy. He swam through the brackish water, trying to keep his body under. If he raised his head to catch a breath, he would likely be greeted with a bolt between the eyes. He pushed on, despite his fiery lungs that threatened to burst like grapes. Finally, when he could take it no longer, he broke above the water, gasping for breath. He wiped the water from his eyes and looked for the sewer pipe. For a moment, he was afraid Havert's map was wrong. Relief flooded the elf's brain when he saw the circular, stone pipe jutting from the castle wall, just above the water. He was even more relieved to find Jeremiah and Zevo hauling themselves up it. He heard another whistle, and a bolt splashed by Ethramel's head. Ethramel wasted no time swimming to the pipe. Jeremiah grabbed one of his outstretched arms, and Zevo grabbed the other. They hauled him up with a grunt and all three scrambled into the safety of the stone pipe. The sorcerer collapsed onto his hands and knees and caught his breath. He checked to make sure his staff and sword were still attached before standing. Slimy, fetid-smelling water trickled from the darkness of the sewer. The pipe was narrow. Ethramel could touch both walls with his outstretched hands, and his head very nearly hit the top. Zevo, the poor Vatgun, had to duck to avoid braining himself. Not far ahead was a crisscrossed steel gate. Looks well made, Jeremiah said. He reached a hand towards the grate. Don't touch it, Ethramel hissed. He pushed past Zevo and the craftsmen. If there was one thing he had learned when he pulled this trick off at Scala and Spala, it was that such entryways were heavily warded with magic. He reached his hand out and felt electricity course through him before he even touched the metal. It's warded, all right. Stand back, please. Ethramel took a moment to steady his breath. He had used more power than he intended knocking away that bolt in a panic. 
but he reckoned he had enough to finish the job. He took a moment to feel the elemental energy emanating from the ward. One needed to be careful when disarming such wards. It took the right amount of power, at just the right frequency, to neutralize the magic. Such things were not an exact science, of course, but Ethramel had over a century of practice. Muttering an elder speech, he released some power from his fingertips. He held his breath, waiting for the ward to explode in his face. Instead, it just fizzled, like a grease fire covered with a heavy lid. Now, the elf said to his companions with a smile, we just have to remove the grating. Stand back, please. Zevo and Jeremiah stood back even further. Concentrating the remainder of his power in his index and middle fingers, Athramel touched the cardinal points of the circular grate, north, south, east, and west. Satisfied, he muttered an elder speech and activated the power he released. The stone he had touched melted into slag, just enough to loosen the metal. Ethramel stumbled back and nearly collapsed from sudden exhaustion. Zevo, would you mind taking care of the rest? he asked. The witcher grunted and pulled on the grate. It gave way easily. He stepped aside as Jeremiah and Ethramel strode into Alander's sewer system. Then he put the grate back with a grunt. It was pitch dark inside, the only light coming from behind them. Jeremiah provided a length of rope and gave it to Zevo. The Vatgern, with his night vision, would lead while he and Jeremiah followed blindly by rope. They moved, the only sound being their feet slapping the trickling water beneath them. Ethramel was sad to discover that the sewer pipe did not widen the deeper they went. He reached his free hand out and found he could still touch the sides. The sewer, of course, smelled like shit, and it was darker than Ethramel imagined. He thought his eyes might have adjusted, but he was wrong. He was following the witcher blindly. He lost all sense of time as they walked, but at some point Zevo stopped so abruptly Ethramel walked into his back. The Vatgern did not move. What is it? Ethramel asked, quieter than a whisper. Another pipe up ahead, running adjacent to this one, Zevo said. I heard people talking around the corner to our right. Ethramel was certain he hadn't heard anything, but he took the mutant at his word. He took a cautious step back. He still could not see, but he heard the undeniable sound of a sword being loosed from its scabbard. Best step out where we can see you, Zevo said loudly. His voice bounced and echoed along the circular walls. Funny, I was just thinking the same thing. The voice was calm and smooth, ahead and to their right. Do my ears deceive me, or is that deadpan tone familiar? I was thinking the same thing, Zevo said. If I'm not mistaken... Your guess of Lyria. And if I'm not mistaken, you're Zevo of Kavir. Ethramel felt Zevo's hot breath on his face as he whispered, It's all right. He's an old witcher companion. From the school of the Viper. The name Guess of Lyria sounded vaguely familiar to Ethramel. Then he remembered it was the witcher Beatrix and Nicola had paid to lift her curse. Small world, Ethramel thought. Though I suppose it has to be when there's only a handful of witchers still alive. I'm going to step out, Guess of Lyria said calmly, but I want you to know that I've got someone with me, another Viper School Witcher. I don't want you to panic when you see who it is, okay? I'm stepping out with him now. Ethramel heard shuffling. Then he heard Zevo say, Well, shit. The Kingslayer. Kingslayer? The title sounded familiar to Ethramel, but he couldn't quite put a finger on why. 
He knew it held importance, but he, Ethramel, heard a new, raspier voice. My name is Letho of Gullet. Then it clicked. Letho, the witcher who had been hired by the Lodge of Sorceresses to murder the Adernian and Tamarian kings last year. Letho the Kingslayer. Well, shit, Ethramel agreed. That'll do it for this episode of Tales from the Witcher. This podcast is written and produced by Jacob Gerstel. The Witcher novels are by Andrzej Zipkowski, The Witcher games are by CD Projekt Red, and The Witcher tabletop RPG is by R. Talsorian Games. The music is by Eric Matias at soundimage.org. Be sure to leave a rating and a review, and to spread the word of this podcast far and wide. You can follow the podcast at Tales Witcher Pod on X or at TalesFromTheWitcher.buzzsprout.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again next week.